Hey you, welcome back to Molecule to Market and I'm your host Roman Tagal and as per usual we go inside the outsourcing space of the global drug development sector. This episode is an experimental one and slightly different and will hopefully save you a little bit of time. If you've not noticed, the CDMO space in particular is going through a bit of a boom period. In particular, we're seeing fantastic growth from biotechs and the large molecule space in particular. Many would say that CDMOs are enjoying a kind of golden era. And as a result of that, I've been fortunate enough to be able to interview some fantastic people from the outsourcing space who are very much at the center of this trend and get their views and observations in terms of what's going on in the market, but also what we can expect from the future. So we've listened back and been through some of those old episodes, some of them not that very old, actually only a few weeks old, but we wanted to kind of bring some of those snippets together, biotech bites, if you will, and bring them together into one kind of digestible podcast episode, which is what you are listening today, which is a very special episode. You'll recognize some of the guests if you uh, are a regular listener. And if you're not a regular listener, then shame on you because you should be. So you'll hear from Michelle Duggan, Peter Salkner, Ross Byrne, and Go Van Dam. Just a handful of some of the amazing, almost 100 guests that we've had on Molecule to Market. If you like today's episode, please let me know and we can do more kind of bite-sized topics like this where we collate some learnings from other episodes and stitch them all together to hopefully make your life a little easier because we're bringing some of those key learnings and insights together into one place. Enjoy today's episode. First up is Michelle Duggan. Hi, Michelle. Welcome to the show. It is an absolute pleasure to have you on Molecule to Market. And just to start off with, Michelle, it would be great to give our listener a bit of an overview of who you are and you know how you've ended up in your current role today. So if you'd give us a bit of a, a career history of how you ended up in the life science space, that would be that would be great. So for the last year, I've been working with Invest Northeast England um, to, to really promote the region um, and attract uh, inward investment, not just international companies to come and locate here, but companies that are already based in the UK to expand and grow into the Northeast. Um, and I focus uh, particularly, we're quite a small team, but I focus particularly on the life sciences sector and digital and technology. Let's talk specifically about the life science uh, cluster that is is there now. And before you go into that, you know, I think I'll mention for our listeners, you know, just to give you some context of some of the supply chain pharmaceutical type companies that are actually based in the northeast, companies like uh, Piramal, Sterling Pharmaceuticals, uh, Arcanova, which was recently purchased by uh, Quotient, Fujifilm, Diocent, Biotech have a huge site there, uh, Center for Process and Innovation, There's, and GSK have also got a huge uh, uh, kind of uh, site in, in that part of the world as well. So some really, really big, well-known kind of industry players that are based in, in that part of the world. But I'd love... Michelle, for you to just kind of give um, you know the the listener a little bit of an overview of 
uh, kind of what it looks like from a cluster perspective. I know there's a couple of different science parks there as well, but it'd be great to, to kind of go a bit deeper on the kind of life science capability of, of, the, of, of the, the region. Yeah, so um, we've... we've um there's a few more companies that I could that I could list there so it, it, it's quite a, a vibrant cluster so we also have um, Accord Healthcare and, and Sterling Pharmaceuticals um, as well but we also have a growing um, uh, number of companies that are uh, the smaller companies um, that are, are, are specializing as well and we have the special specials laboratory as well. So we have some contract manufacturing. So, so it's quite sort of dynamic in, in that respect. One of the key assets that, that we've got, um, in the Northeast is our people. And, um, so the, the, the cluster relies heavily on access to kind of a skilled, a skilled workforce. Um, and so we, you know, we, we're keen to sort of, um, promote the, the the people of the northeast just not not just for being you know really friendly geordies but actually for being skilled and, and very loyal and across all sectors um we find that the our workforce is is um uh you know that they're very loyal to the companies that they work for in today's episode i'm going to be talking about the pharma in biotech supply chain with go van dam ceo and founder at tracer so who is my guest? Professor Govan Dam is the CEO and co-founder of Tracer, a clinical research organization specializing in generating fast and accurate inhuman data with nuclear and optical molecular imaging techniques. We envision, uh, and it's, it's not by all uh, compounds and disease areas uh, possible, but we envision, it's also what we see of, of large investment companies that uh, if a biotech or a pharma is developing compound and has said, okay, animal talks look okay, that the molecular imaging, nuclear and fluorescent, will be one of the pillars, one of the compo- components uh, for uh, drug development uh, for the phases to come thereafter. It will be an essential, essential com- uh, component in the complete development process. It's not just there now and then. No, it is one of the critical steps in an early go-no-go decision-making drug development. That is Mm -hmm. our vision, and that's also what we noticed in several really, I would say, front-runner companies, pharma and also investment companies, that this is actually the case. And we have seen it in several projects that it actually works the way it is. Today, I had the absolute pleasure of speaking to Peter Zulkner, who's Managing Director at Veta Pharma. It really was a pleasure to interview Peter because his journey at Veta is super interesting and it was really insightful for me to get an an insight into Veta Pharma, a company that I've known for a long time, but didn't realize how big they have become in the CDMO space and just some of their learnings on the journey. It was really quite interesting to hear where he feels the industry is going and where CDMOs in particular need to be prepared to deal with the evolving demands of uh, biotech companies. And um, yeah, that had been uh, really a, a, an, an interesting story where Feta got 
much better known, not only by a couple of big pharma biotech companies in the US, but by a whole array of pharma and biotech companies, ranging from almost virtual companies, people who have a great molecule idea and bring it to market uh, with with the help of some CDMOs all the way to the really the, the, the big companies. So we have that entire range of companies in our shops there. And uh, we are we are well well known for that. So with with that said, um, the next decade, from my perspective, in the in the mid later 2020s, it is really the age of biotech. I think what we have seen now with mRNA molecules as one example to fight the pandemic. If we wouldn't have had some of that research, which was more geared towards the oncology market, uh, we would not be in the position right now to to somewhat fight at least the pandemic successfully. Yeah. And and uh, I'm sure those companies will go back to the drawing board, the BioNTechs, the Modernas of the world and so forth to think about their original um, um, ideas, what they had with oncology products and how to handle mRNA and, and, and so forth. Very interesting times. It will address a lot of those unmet needs out there and um, really happy was, uh, was fettered to be associated to such an industry which has a purpose. So usually, you know, when you hire personnel right now, now and when you employ a branding, everybody tries to look for a purpose. We have a great purpose. We always had a great purpose. It makes a significant difference in people's lives there on a daily basis. And personally, I'm I'm quite proud uh, that that I can be a part of this team and and make that make that happen because some of those molecules would not be on the market with with FETA. Just thinking about um, age-related macular disease as, 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 as one example, uh, where uh, A, it has to be sterile. You have to avoid particles, which uh, will be otherwise injected into the human eye. And it's an extremely difficult solution, which almost has a viscosity of honey and has to be dosed down to the microgram, t- 10 to the minus sevens, uh, uh, six, um, I'm sorry, correctly. And, and with that, with that said, uh, there's a whole filling application in a double sterile bag around it before you get it to the surgeon. That is very demanding. And those molecules would be probably not on time there without organizations such as FETA. I can name a couple of other ones, such as, um, uh, for example, uh, a drug against uh, children's Alzheimer's. Um, so there's even such thing, but you have to freeze vials at minus 70 degrees centigrade, what we all learned in the pandemic, that we need those things from time to time. Yeah, we already had that kind of expertise when we tried it for this ultra-often drug market and how to do that. And, and that's why we always have to have to push ourselves and get better and really be innovative and, and uh, really uh, try to live up to, to those challenges um, to, to get more and more molecules onto the market. So there is a big purpose to do this. In today's episode, I'm going to be talking with Ross Byrne, who is the Chief Executive at Katai. I thoroughly enjoyed my conversation today with Ross. Uh, great to hear the story of uh, being an AstraZeneca spin out and growing uh, a business from from scratch and some of the challenges involved uh, of having five founders that literally knew very little about business and creating uh, a very successful organization off the back of that. Ross is kind of approach is incredibly candid and honest, and he, he really shares some some great insights into the challenges of running a, a kind of CRO, a very fast growing CRO business in the sector. 
I think on the you know in the sector level, you know there's been there's been a shift from big pharma to biotech or emerging pharma companies, uh, we like to call them. Um, so lots of innovation. Over seventy percent of you know, new chemical entities are now done by um, emerging pharma companies, and they don't have any capabilities in doing CMC, so chemistry manufacturing controls. They're a sort of pseudo virtual organization. Some do have some, you know, some expertise, but most of them have, you know, project managers that outsource the whole of the supply chain. And, um, you know, to have multi uh, supplier agreements, all doing niche specialist, um, you know, parts of that supply chain has its upside. But, you know, actually just having one or two that can go across the full value chain. You know, for many for many companies, is what is what they want, and um, we know that we we can really open up new market opportunities by going across that that value chain. So being more integrated as an organisation, and there's not many um, CROs um, that can go across the full um, drug substance and drug product value chain. Um, with, you know, of a, a relatively small size, and that's something that we're looking to to do and disrupt. How do you, on that that specific point, how do you, you know, because you mentioned obviously, say, these uh, emerging pharma companies and they're outsourcing more, but they want to probably consolidate and, uh, I suppose, minimize the amount of partners that they're using. I presume you come up against the bigger one-stop shop type, you know, do do everything, <laughs> uh, CDMO type companies. Do you, how do you contend with that? And is that something that's a challenge will continue to be a challenge for you guys? Or do you find that you're slightly earlier on in the process at the minute? You don't come up against that as much, but just curious how, yeah, how that think, works. Yeah. I think at the moment, um, you know, we, we're split about 60, 40 big pharma to emerging pharma. Um, and that's quite unique for a, a company of our of our origin, our size. Typically in the marketplace, they tend to be a lot more skewed towards um, emerging pharma. Um, so, so yeah, with our as-was value proposition of just doing process chemistry, um, because of our in-depth expertise, we would typically work in projects, but not many um, of the incumbent marketplace, small or big, you know, rivals, comp- competitors, some people call them, can actually do. Um, because it's very challenging chemistry. So we win on um, our capabilities that win the business and we have a very high success rate on, you know, um, I would say winning tenders is probably the the, um, the, the sort of uh, more common phrase, but for us it's about qualifying opportunities. When we diversify and be more integrated, yes, I think, you know, to position ourselves favourably against the one-stop larger organisations, you know, we, we, we know what we're going to do. Um, you know, it'll be based around agility or based around, you know, that, you know, sort of dynamic customer service. Um, and at the same time, we're going to do it through, you know, really good, you know, in-depth science. Um, for us, it's all about, you've got to do the best innovation, hence why we're an innovation partner. And for us, it's never compromising on the quality of the science. There's a sort of echo chamber in, in the industry. It's about, you know, it's about speed. No point in being at your milestone and dead. You know, if you make the wrong <laughs> the wrong medicine, doesn't matter how, how fast you are. Um, you're not going to you're not going to monetize um, event. You know, at that outcome. So for us, it's yes, you want to be agile, and you want where possible to have you know the CMC part of 
um, you know, of medicines development off a critical path. Um, so you don't lose any peak sales if the medicine does become commercialized. But you've got to maximize the chances of that medicine being efficacious. You know, yes, you do it in a, I would say, in a, a sort of tailored way. And there you have it, listener. Our guests take on the boom that we're seeing in the large molecule space. And I think you'll agree some really interesting points on the future of the outsourcing space and where the market is going. All of my guests covered the same common theme around purpose and adopting a patient-centric approach. And it's really interesting to hear their thoughts on the value chain and our sector's continued ability to diversify and ultimately just innovate. What a time to be involved in outsourcing. I'm certainly very grateful to be in the life science space right now, and I hope you are too. If you'd enjoyed today's episode, there's plenty more where that came from. You can enjoy so much more of my soothing tones, but more importantly, the insights and opinions of our guest interviews. And so we're going to try and feature more guests in the next few weeks, as per usual, and also add a few more of these episodes where we look back over the back catalogue and stitch together some others. So let us know what you think. I hope you enjoyed it. And as per usual, do me a favour and give us a good rating. Come on, you've probably been putting it off, but today is the day. Get onto the App Store, give us a five-star rating and maybe share this episode with someone that would appreciate it. Thank you for listening and take care. You're listening to Molecule to Market where we go inside the outsourcing space of the global drug development sector. The podcast for professionals working in the pharma and biotech contract services space. Molecule to Market is sponsored and funded by Remarketing, an international content, digital and design agency that helps companies get noticed, raise profile and generate leads in life sciences.